Orwin McManus um, is a pastor out in California, and uh, he had a conversation with his uh, younger son years ago about hearing the voice of God. And he said, my son Aaron was five when he started asking me, what does God's voice sound like? And Erwin didn't know how to answer that. A few years later, Aaron went to his first um, junior high camp. And in the middle of the week, uh, Erwin and another pastor said, hey, let's go up and see how uh, the campers are doing. And uh, from the church, and, uh, you know, it's always kind of a cool thing to do. And then uh, when he got there, he found out, Erwin found out that Aaron had started to assault another camper, but uh, his friends held him back. And uh, he was unrepentant, and he wanted to leave camp. And he got all of his stuff together and put it in a duffel bag. And when Erwin got to there with his his car, uh, Aaron threw it in the car, you know, and said, man, let's go, let's go. And Erwin said, you know, I wanted to have a little conversation before we we head out. And they sat on a rock in the middle of the woods and had this conversation. Aaron, I asked, is there any voice inside you telling you what you should do? And Aaron nodded, yes. Erwin said, well, what's the voice telling you? Well, it's telling me that I should stay and work this thing out. Dad said, can you identify the voice? And immediately Aaron said, yep, it's God. (laughs) And Erwin said, but it's the moment I had been waiting for, you know. Aaron, I said, do you realize what just happened? You heard God's voice. He spoke to you from within your soul. Forget everything else that's happened. God spoke to you and you were able to recognize him. How cool is that? I'll never forget Aaron's dug-in response, though. He said, well, I'm still not doing what God said. You know, there's people here and somebody watching online that feel the same way, man. You know God's been speaking to you, and you said, I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to drill down and keep doing what I want to do. Erwin went on to have this conversation. He said, I explained to him that was his choice, but this is what would happen. And friends, if you're in that same position today, this is what will happen to you. If he rejected the voice of God coming from deep within and chose to disobey his guidance, his heart would become hardened and his ears would become dull. And if he continued on this path, there would be a day when he would never again hear the voice of God. There would come a day when he would deny that God even speaks Or has ever spoken to him. But if he treasures God's voice, however it comes to him through scripture, through his conscience, and responds to him with obedience, then his heart would be softened. And his ears would always be able to hear the whisper of God in his soul. Aaron chose to stay. I'm grateful to to say. If he had chosen differently, he would have begun the path toward mediocre Christianity. Perhaps he never would have rejected the faith overtly. He might have even chosen to be a faithful attender at a church and been, by everyone's estimation, a good man, but he would no longer be a close follower 
of Jesus. Jesus took our judgment and he bore it on the cross. He's given us the power that he had now, now that we're in Christ, to follow after him and to nurture that relationship so when he speaks, we do obey. And this morning, when we look at Aaron and how I've been, I was at that place, by the way, in junior high. I had been hardening my heart. I, I, I knew God was speaking to me and I hardened my heart. And it was at summer camp where I finally relented and said, Lord, I surrender to you. I put my trust in you. And it's very common. It, it, it happens even when you get older. And even when you've had a relationship with the Lord, you can choose to stop listening to that voice because you don't want to change anymore. You're you're becoming comfortable where you're at. And this morning, as we look at the life of Daniel, once again, we realize as a young teenager who had voices screaming at him throughout the culture to compromise, to give in, to become like everybody else, Daniel had heard the voice of God and he was committed to obeying him no matter what. And that's where you and I land this morning because we're in that same position. God is speaking, friends. He is. And um, we know that this is not our home. We are citizens of heaven where Christ lives. And um, in your notes... Quickly walking through, number one, the flares in the air. God has been speaking. He spoke to Israel. They ignored him. They kept ignoring him, and so finally judgment came. And um, how did it come? Well, in number two, God did it. The third year of King Jehoiakim in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. God used a pagan king to bring judgment on his people. That's interesting. God did it. And Daniel realized that. As a teenager, Daniel had a biblical, really a biblical worldview to realize that God was the one who was judging his own nation. And three, we see surrounded by evil, the king ordered Ashman as his chief of staff to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family And the other noble families who've been brought to Babylon as captives. I don't know about you, friends, but right now, it really seems like we're surrounded by evil, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And and we could we can pull back, we can pull within our in, in within ourselves, you know, and and put a shell around us, you know, to try and protect. But what an opportunity. Being surrounded by evil to be the light of Jesus Christ. I was at a funeral yesterday with a neighbor, one of our neighbors, 83 years old, passed away. And um, their daughter had died five years earlier. I did the funeral for her. 
And the parents said that was a wake-up call spiritually for them. And they started attending a church that the father had actually grown up in. And to hear people get up and talk about Bruce's faith in Christ, it was so encouraging. Don Fechner in hospice, friends, 93 years old, and many of you don't know who he is, but he was an integral part of Life Church for many years. He and Wanda. And, and Don, he's fading. He's, he's drifting towards eternity right now. And he said, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go to heaven. And he's prepared. So in, in this world where we're surrounded by evil, people are still living for the Lord. And they're letting their light shine, and it's speaking to the people around them. You and I have that same responsibility. This is not the time to wheel back, close the door, and wait for Jesus to come. This is the time to be proactive. Sorry about that spit. There, <laughs> careful. And let Jesus live in and through us. Don't, don't become angry. Don't become bitter. But that's why it's important to, to spend time with the Lord daily. To let him refresh you, to renew you, to speak into your life. And then you take it into your world. We see that Daniel, they tried to brainwash him and his buddies and uh, how cool it is, man, his child dedication today, his parents did something right. Wouldn't you say? They, they spoke into his life. They, they, they taught him a biblical worldview. So he was willing and, and had the opportunity to say, man, I'm going to live for God Almighty no matter what happens. And he did that well. And um, <clears throat> we're grateful that he withstood that attempt to brainwash him. And then the buffet in Babylon. How about that? You know, uh, what's that sign say in our kitchen? Yeah, if you feed them, they will come. And who are they? Well, it's anybody that comes. It's they. <laughs> if you feed them, they will come. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar's plan was, that if we feed these, these exiles from Jerusalem, if we give them prime rib and, you know, ice cream and apple pie and mm, vegetables, let's see, what's a good vegetable? Corn. <laughs> and we'll move them out of the kosher diet and into, you know, what's really tasty for these teenagers. Oh, we forgot about pizza. But guess what? Nebuchadnezzar, the king, assigned that food to them, and Daniel said no. He said no to a king. Not to the chef, but to the king. And um, Daniel was completely aware of the temptation to yield to the culture around him, but he said no. And then number three, identity, identity theft, verses six and seven. Um, 
they had a name change. And we know that there's all kinds of identity theft going on in our culture today as well, right? We're fully aware of that, what's going on. And once again, uh, what God has created, uh, individuals are trying to undermine that. They're trying to rename us, rename individuals, even though we were created in the very image of God. Um, and the world wants to create you into their image. They do. So, Daniel, um, God is my judge. That's what it means. God will, based, God will represent me for his cause. That's what that means. God will, as a judge, he will represent me for his cause. And the Babylon captors change it to Belteshazzar. Bel protects me. It's a demonic god, by the way. And uh, so they tried to do a flip with Daniel. Hananiah means Yahweh has shown grace. God is gracious. Shadrach is the command of Aku. It's a moon god. It's another god of theirs. Mishael means who can compare to my god? No one. So you see, their Hebrew names were reflective of God Almighty. In Babylon, they were flipping it to all their phony baloney gods. Mm. Meshach is who is what Aku is. And Azariah means Yahweh, the Lord is my helper. I like that one. The Lord is my helper. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So what's interesting, when you read through the book of Daniel, uh, these three new names uh, we, we, we learned in Sunday school. Did you notice that? But there's something interesting. When you read through the book of Daniel, Daniel doesn't take on Belteshazzar. He leaves that on the shelf. He said, you may call me that, but I'm going by Daniel. That's the name my parents gave me. That's the name I'm going to keep. He always refers to himself as Daniel throughout every chapter in Daniel. He's committed to that. So he's saying, man, you can call me Belteshazzar, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stand on my identity, and I'm not going to compromise in his own simple way. So Nebuchadnezzar wanted Daniel and his friends to forget Jerusalem, their God, the temple, everything that had been related to their Jewish heritage and culture. And uh, here's the cool thing. Daniel and his friends never did forget you know, when we do communion, we say, you know, Jesus said, remember when you do this. Remember, because it's so easy to forget. Have you noticed? <laughs> you forget. Remember, it's a reminder of what Jesus did on the cross. And here, these young men chose to remember their upbringing because we see 70 years later that Daniel in Babylon, he's still praying in the direction of Jerusalem. Check out. Chapter 6, verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, it was illegal to pray to anybody except for the king. He went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room, so he had kept the habit of praying to God Almighty. He had a place where he prayed. And its window opened toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. You see that? 70 years later, 
he is still praying to God towards Jerusalem. Isn't that cool? He got into that habit and he never let it go. And so even though the culture was trying to change him, Daniel says, no, I'm not going to let that go. And we know, friends, really, that there are false labels being thrown at us. And even in the back of our head, we have a little closet back there that these voices like to talk to us. You know, that you're a liar, you're a hypocrite, you're, you're a failure, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you're a loser. We have heard those labels, haven't we? What, what I think is cool, we overlook the fact that God knows everything about our past. And he loves us as if he didn't. He knows everything about us. And he loves us still. And he wants to take our past and redeem it. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The good things. We're his masterpiece. You got God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit just tapping each other, man. It's a masterpiece. You see them down there in Life Church? They're masterpieces. <laughs> you see them people? Those people. Watching online, those are masterpieces. That's very cool. Number four, here it is. Must have a core. Must have a core. That's, that's the bottom line through it all. You've got to have a core. Otherwise, you're going to get blown away. Verse 8, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. You know what I like about verse 8? You see how it starts? But Daniel, right? When you look at um, after all these name changes going on, the identity theft, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself. How did that happen? Where was that? When did that happen in Daniel's life? We don't know. We're not told. But evidently, there was a a time and a place when Daniel drew a line in the sand and he said, my parents love God. They've trained me to love God. I realize that God loves me and has a plan for my life, even though he didn't know he was going to be exiled to Babylon. As a 15-year-old, I'm trusting God with my life. I don't care what happens to me. I don't care what happens to my family. I am going to live for God full bore. That's a core. That's predetermining your decisions and your convictions ahead of time. You don't wait till you're in the heat of battle to try and figure out, what am I going to do? You know, What should I do? Which direction? Should... No, we, we predetermine. Daniel did that well. He was committed to that. And so, friends, I want to challenge you this morning. Do you have a core? Hmm? What what are your core convictions? Do you know what they are? What are you willing to die for if you had to? And if you don't have those core convictions, this is a great week to be able to sit down and start penciling. And let God's spirit, just like he did with Aaron at camp, speak to Aaron. 
to soften his heart, to challenge him, to step up and be a man. So, this morning, we have that opportunity to live for the Lord and the core values, the core convictions. As you and I experience pressure in this world, pressure to move closer to the world's culture, may we feel the pressure of God's Spirit inside of us. As Hudson Taylor, a missionary to China, did. He said, it doesn't matter how great the pressure, what really matters is where the pressure lies. Whether it comes between me and God or whether it presses me nearer his heart. Is the pressure moving you towards God or away from God? That's the question. May we take the pressure that we're feeling today and allow it to push us closer to the Lord. Will you do that? You say, Lord, talk to me. Speak to me. I need to obey you, Lord, fully. Not partially, not occasionally, but I need to obey you consistently. Will you help me do that, Lord? And we trust him. So, Father, thank you today for the opportunity we've had to open your word and to once again be reminded on how we can thrive in exile. Too many of us, Lord, have settled for surviving only, but you want us to thrive. And we pray today for your help in that thriving process. And we are so grateful that it's your Holy Spirit that convicts us, man, areas that we start to compromise on, where we're, we're becoming uh, wishy-washy and instead of being resolute. Oh, God, help us to, to step up like Daniel did, to predetermine, predetermine our core values, our convictions, and live by those. And so thank you today. Once again, Lord, we're reminded of the great love that you have for us. And we use that image of people on the streets of Jerusalem waving and screaming and worshiping you. And just a few days later, they're saying, crucify. Lord, we don't want to be like that, depending on the crowd. We don't want to be like that, Lord. We, we want to be consistently following after you. And so we thank you today for that resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is resident in us as followers of Christ. We say yes to you, Lord. We follow after you. In Jesus' name.